Previously on the Sunless Citadel. Feel the power of this holy blade. And you would see and shudder as the Dark Warden himself would appear from the sky and land into this room. Stay hidden, little mouse. Do not make a noise. You don't want to be noticed here. Everybody's here. Everybody dangerous. Your enemy is about to appear. You do not want him to notice you. Someone thinks that Dark Warden had the smelliest breath, and before you saw him, you could smell him. Within this bag, you guys find a small coin pouch. Well, uh, I guess we can move on then. Thorn will open the door. Throughout the vastness of the multiverse, there lies a tavern. As you approach its doors, you catch bubbles of laughter that rise and burst into cheers as colorful groups of travelers find comfort in their bonds. As you head inside, the smile of the tavern keeper greets you. They're an otherworldly being with a bluish corporeal form. They wear attire befitting of an innkeeper, and they have a large cloudy nebula for hair speckled with stars, which gently sways with their movement. Welcome to the Storyteller's Tavern, where stories are served like ale and a seat is open for you at every table. Tonight's special is the Sunless Citadel, an epic adventure of high fantasy with notes of friendship, danger, and most importantly, hope. Will our adventure survive to descend into the dungeon, or is there a darker calamity taking root far from the sun's reach? Opening the door, you guys see what seems to be a relatively big room. Although this sensation or this idea is obscured by the amount of clutter that there is inside, making this room feel much smaller. Leaning and fallen and damaged bookshelves fills this room through a clear path that connects to the next opposite wall you also see another door. Torn and burned pages, bindings, and scrolls can be discerned in various spaces within this room. There are some that are still on the shelves, while most of them are on the ground in small piles. Could I do a perception check to see if there's anything of note among all of these books and tomes and old writings and whatnot? Go for it. Could I also do a perception check? Sure. Can Thorn help Methuselah? With Thorn's help, I got a 21. And I got an 18. Looking at some of the piles, most of them are damaged. And the content that has been punished by time and mistreatment. Although, in the meantime, checking some of the books that are still in some of the shelves. Methuselah and Thorn do notice one that resembles one of the other journals that you guys found previously. Helping Methuselah, Thorn's gonna spot the journal and he's gonna pick it up and hold it up for Methuselah to take. Methuselah will read it aloud for everyone to hear. 
Regrettably, the red scourge who murdered my beloved still roams these once proud halls. She flaunts her fake, sparsely feathered wings, acting as if she owns the hold of a dragon. Her liberated, brainwashed heretics follow her as if she were a goddess. The world is truly turned upside down. My desire to wither away her flesh with magic is only outmatched by my urge to vomit. What else could I expect? Vermin are always found sniffing around excrement. It is difficult to keep a straight face as their filthy slave feet muck the stage where my all-wise and powerful Kiragallan held court. I can still remember watching my mighty lord crush the unworthy beneath his powerful talons or raise the righteous to his side instead of his breath taking visage, my eyes burned as I witnessed that cur addressing her foolhardy audience. Then she thrust her useless, evil blade into my beloved's audience stage, further defiling what I thought could no longer be defiled. Alas, this too shall pass. Before that winged demon left Northorn, she announced a new settlement to establish this pathetic, slave-owned kingdom, a place of reverence in the mountains known as Sentinel. I swear that's the first place I will burn to the ground once my lord rises again. Now the Red Scourge is taking the remaining garrison of beasts to this capital, so I can continue my research in peace. Meanwhile, I've hired a notorious marauder, a dwarf called Rakul who will serve my needs for now in keeping the Dragonborn at bay. All this hard work and planning is for you, my beloved, now and forever, eternally devoted, Mojenti. When Methuselah is done reading, Thorne seems to sway with unease. This woman seems very upset. Thorne wonders, is she still around? I mean, she is an elf, so she could be, but I mean, she's not here, so something must have happened. I mean, from what we know, of course, she could be here still. Uh, Mortis brushes his hand over the hilt of his new sword. From that description, it sounds like they were referring to Valakaris during the, or perhaps following the attack you mentioned, Methuselah. Yes, it seems so as well. Definitely not good words on her account. I hope it wasn't too hard for you to read. I know that if I had to read blasphemous things about someone I respected, it would put me at a bit of unease. Oh no, it's alright. I mean, it seems this person wanted to resurrect the Dark Warden. And uh, since the Dark Warden isn't here, we can assume that 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 failed, so... You know, despite what this person might have said in in terms of bad things, they're probably gone, so no point really, I suppose, caring about those words, because they're not true. A valid conclusion, my friend. Erky approaches and says, wasn't she already ready to start her stuff, her investigation and research? How in this one she says that she's about to start it instead? Well, I assume that these might be out of order. It's not like there's, you know, like a number on this page. Well, 
I wonder if there is more to her story then. This is clearly part of her past and we already know that she proceeds to starting her investigation. I am very curious to see what happened, seeing that I, I didn't know her. In addition to the journal you found, there are maybe one or two tomes of history about the Draconic Empire itself. Erky takes a lot of interest on those. I'm gonna say I do too. I missed out on a couple years, so I'm curious what the f*** happened. It's like a high school yearbook for you. You're like, oh, I knew that guy. <laughs> <laughs> Could Seeker also take a little bit of interest because they do a lot of things at the temple that involve teaching younger tabaxi and they like to have knowledge. Sure, yeah. Uh, as you guys approach and look at those these two tomes, Erky peruses one of them and goes, this is a lot of information. Information that we could only speculate by accounts of those who survived and those who were able to outlast the Draconic Empire, subjects and otherwise. Well, I, I I did live in that time period, so it's very interesting to see it all being written down as if it's in some far, obscure past. Well, it's because it is, Methuselah. I know now, but it, it's still strange. But I suppose that would happen to a lot of elves, because don't they live for a very, very long time? I mean, usually those elves tend to remember what happened. I sort of missed out on 300 years. Or so. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure that there are events that, that Mortis has experienced that if he saw in a history book, he'd think that that was pretty crazy too. Mortis has a look of mock offense. You can tell he's not actually mad. Hey, I don't look a day over 200. Oh, not at all. I, I've known elves that uh, are probably about, you know, like 500 who look their age. Well, I mean, there are events in the little book of the history of Tom's Rest that, that my pa remembers because he lived through so it, it's not to say that you're old or that you look old mortis but you know you're, you're old not, <laughs> you're old you're not the youngest turtle you weren't born yesterday mortis <laughs> sometimes i question that myself in the end if we can preserve some true history during our quest it will have been a worthy endeavor oh i agree because we don't want this draconic empire to ever come back and so we need to know about these things well one thing's for sure though this would be invaluable to me and to the followers of Lyrta back at my home i would be even willing to pay you guys to keep these books so we can add it to our collection i don't think that You'd have to pay us. We don't own these books, so, you know, we, we found them with you. So that would be rather strange to have to pay you for books that weren't ours to begin with. I mean, I was hoping that I could take some of the knowledge from these books back to the tabaxi at the temple. So if you were willing to maybe write down some notes, I could take those. And I, I, I mean, you know, again, you don't have to pay us. But I would consider that to be a worthy trade. Personally, I would prefer to have the originals, but I'm okay with making some sort of exchange in knowledge. In the end, that's what I'm seeking anyway. Well, you could take the originals and I can take the notes. We'll we'll work something out, Erky, I'm sure, because this is really, really interesting and I know you agree. Yes, invaluable. I'll hold on to one of the books because I'm very interested on everything that's in here. Catching up, you know, but you can have it when I'm done. Well, since we have some time, it doesn't seem like there's any dangers right now. Could we maybe take a pause to investigate the journal a bit more? I 
think that's a good idea. I know that I'd like to sit down if we can find a not terribly dirty spot and we can investigate it. Erky steps in and says, I'm down to investigate further. Seems fair enough to me. I'll give the journal to Mortis. You can hold on to this and investigate. I, I just kind of want to look into these books a little more. And Thuzla, a little bit excitedly, takes out the, the Draconic Empire book. Well, I'm not much of an expert in research, but I'll do my best. I could give you a hand with that, Mortis. I, I know Elvish. Just uh, let the rest of us know what you find out. Mortis is able to take accounts and rumors that you have heard on your travels, especially towards Tom's Rest, about some of the history of Destry. This journal recounts the events that took place after the Dragonborn occupation of Northborn, where they had made the mistake to think the Monjenti would be an asset to the Dragonborn society. In her new position, she reorganized the structure of Northborn in a way that would facilitate her machinations. She developed contingencies for the Dragonborn's lingering interactions and random inspections. Meanwhile, she discreetly engaged and prompt close and dagger activities to forward her plans within the region and abroad. By hiring this dwarven marauder, Rakul, she enforced and organized various insidious plots, revolts, and overall chaos in the region while using him as a proxy, as she gradually shifted the attention of the Dragonborn from Northorn and to achieve her ultimate goal. With that said, Monjenti might have been one of the main factors as to why this kingdom had such a turmoiled first few years of independence. To think we're only uncovering this history now. It's quite interesting. I didn't learn all this stuff growing up and I, I don't even live that far away. Methuselah's gonna look up from their own book hearing the conversation. That was quite a long time ago. Yeah, this history is older than Tom's rest, so I don't think that most of the people that were involved in the creation of Tom's rest, mostly Plucker of Tomatoes, I don't even think that he would know most of this stuff. Well, now that we've learned a bit more, I suppose we can continue. Hearing that people are ready to get going, Thorn looked like he was sleeping, but then he perks up. Are we all done with reading? Yes, I suppose we are. We're ready to go. Uh, hi Mortis, while we continue on, do you want to walk with me? Of course, my friend. Always good to chat with you. The next door, then. Can I go to the door and see if I can hear anything behind it? Go ahead and do a perception check. Could I also do a perception check? I got a 15. I got a 14. The two characters place their heads against the wooden door, quite confident that there's nothing on the other side. I don't know about you, but I can't hear anything, Seeker. Oh, I can't hear anything either, but I will still exercise caution, and they're gonna pull their rapier out, just in case. Just picture both of you have your ears next to the door, but then you're like facing each other. And yeah, just exactly. Talking. Like we're really close to each other and just whispering. <laughs> You guys then try the door. It is unlocked. Opening it, there's a passage downwards, a stairwell. It is damp and crumbled with the sound of dripping water as you guys traverse. It's the longest stretch of walking that you guys have undergone. It's the heavy smell of conscripted air, air that has not been renewed for a long, long time video game brain just like oh here comes the boss room <laughs> it is a singular path doesn't diverge it doesn't have other doors as thorn is walking he takes 
Methuselah's hand. I will, I will take it and walk very hesitantly because I know that we're getting close and it's dark and these are bad memories of this place. Morta turns to Seeker. Was there something you wanted to discuss, my friend? Yeah, a couple things. So first, I thought I would start with the more fun thing. I've been thinking, because you got some really cool catchphrases, like the shell-shocked one. What do you think will be a good catchphrase for me? Hmm, a very good question. You know, when I was younger, I used to make fun of people who used catchphrases and all these silly things, but I suppose age has mellowed me in that way. I feel like it. Mine should have something to do with uh, how good I am at stabbing things, and definitely not how much I, I fall unconscious, because I hope that that won't be a trend. Mortis pauses in thought for a good minute or two, and then he turns back to Seeker. I've seen the way you fight in combat, and we could say you're quite the catastrophe for your opponent. <laughs> Seeker's eyes are gonna light up and <laughs> Mortis, Mortis, that's a really good one. Catastrophe. Like, oh, you get it because you made the joke. That is so funny. You know, it's important to have a few too, you know, like that one is more similar to my shell shocked, you know, when you get a triumphant victory of sort. You could also have one for, you know, more general applications like, you know, Sometimes I'll say, enough of this. He's like fully yelling. Like he has no regard for stealth or anything. It is strange. You know, in my time, heroes really didn't have this sort of catchphrase thing that you're referring to. I do like it though. It's very unique. If anything, I think I was inspired by some of the younger warriors back home in Lestrie. They used to always spend nights coming up with cool catchphrases or armor designs you know it's it's much more there's much more flair to being a hero these days i suppose yes sir back in my day it was <laughs> two old men just yeah. like <laughs> these newfangled heroes okay <sighs> yes well back in my day it was all about surviving you know we were heroes because of necessity more than for the fun of it well, Methuselah, I think that catchphrases could come in handy in your songs, because then you have like like a little chorus or a, a thing that you, like people can relate to the person that you're writing about. Also, I think that you could probably have some amazing catchphrases. We should come up with some for Methuselah, too. Oh my. Thorn has an idea for Methuselah. Oh, I I'd love to hear it. You go to enemies like me, you will be dead. That's very unique. I, I I like it. It it's good. Very good. Mortis has like a noticeable shift in his face. You look kind of uncomfortable. You see, um, I, I think that that would be good, but Methuselah's not really that type of hero. They try to not hurt people unless they have to, or if they're they're not completely in control. I don't know how that shadow thing completely works, but it doesn't seem like you. No, 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 not not. I don't really remember those things when they happen. Thorne look at Methuselah. You were a part of a, a circus, right? Yes, one could say. Then maybe your catchphrase should be something like, This is your final act! I like that one. That one's very, very good. Much better. I love how Methuselah's like one of the most moral characters, but all the catchphrases we come up for are so threatening. <laughs> 
Yes, let me try it. This, this is, is your final act. And then I'm just gonna play a little ditty on Yorick and it sounds very off tune. <laughs> I like it. I think maybe if we're gonna workshop anything to do with that, it should be the little riff that you had going on there with Yorick. It was amazing, but I don't know if it quite fit. It's the shadows, isn't it? I, I really can't control them. They just sort of emanate off Yorick. Yeah, that's kind of scary, actually. Not gonna lie. I love Yorick, but I don't know. I don't know anything about these magic things. Thorn looks between Methuselah and Yorick and goes, Oh, y Yorick is made out of someone you used to know. Maybe your catchphrase can be, I will make your body into an instrument. I don't think that one's very nice. I mean, I didn't, I didn't know Yorick. I know Yorick now, but you know, I, I don't think that's a very nice thing. I guess this was supposed to be a sort of memorial, in a weird way, because it was a weird death wish that Yorick had. Well, you know, since you're a performer, Methuselah, maybe your catchphrase could be something more playful, you know, like, uh, it's showtime, or, uh, or you could say something like, I don't know, welcome to the fun zone. I think we should also come up with catchphrases for Thorn and for Erky. Um, Erky, yours could have something to do with Lyrta and her lot. Well, I do have her prayers that I have to say every time I use her her blessings. Amazing. You know, those prayers you do are pretty good, you know. And I, I, you inspire me to be more creative when I summon the powers of the gods. All, all that rhyming and flair, you're, you're very... You're quite the showman for a holy man. <laughs> uh, thank you. Uh, well, I wish I could take credit for that, but it wasn't mine. I, I just recite them. Well, you do it in such a way that is very performative. All right, we can continue workshopping uh, some more catchphrases later, because when once we get down there and we fight the druid, we still have the whole way back up to the surface. Quite a few plans for us once we come back up, eh? Yes, I suppose all of us are looking forward to it. Now, Mortis, I kind of wanted to talk to you about something else. Yes, my friend, of course. I know that lately, through no fault of your own, you've been having you know some issues connecting with the gods, and I really hope that Valakaris' sword can help you out with that, because from everything we've learned about Valakaris, she's really awesome. But, like, you're, you're still a paladin, yeah? I like to think so. I'm still able to harness power from the gods, but at this point, I'm not sure who it is that's answering my calls. Well, it could be the cat lady. I suppose it could, yes. In a way, uh, my sort of crisis of faith has led me down many different paths. I feel as though it's not that I have abandoned the ways of she, but by being watched over by other gods, it's giving me a sense of perspective. And perhaps if I am to one day earn she's favor once again, uh, I will do so with a renewed sense of knowledge. I carry the blade of Alicaris, so I imagine she might be guiding me. And Methuselah provided me this lantern uh, of Luxair. So perhaps, uh, whatever path I end up on, uh, it will still be a holy one. Seeker's going to rummage in their bag, and they're going to pull out a small ball of yarn, and they're going to offer it to Mortis. Now, so 
in case you don't know, you probably already do, uh, but a ball of yarn is the symbol of the cat lady. You know, since now that you are a friend of the cat lady because you're trying to help us find Faith and you're my friend, I'd like to give this to you because hopefully she can continue to offer you guidance and maybe one day we could both be paladins that serve the cat lady. Mortis flashes like a really warm smile at Seeker and then he reaches his hands out and takes the ball yarn gently. Thank you very much my friend. It's, it's a great honor. Even if my path does not lead me to directly serving under the cat lady, I am pleased that her guidance will be over all of us now. As I have said before, I know that you will make a brilliant paladin one day. You will fight in the honor of the cat lady with truth justice and cool catchphrases and also play of course oh, my big question here is how exactly does one learn how to be a paladin morris considers the question for a moment that's quite the query uh, i suppose it begins with finding the the god or goddess that you feel represents you and if your faith is strong enough then you can begin to manifest some of their abilities. Being a paladin is less about validation and more about the internal struggle. I think I've come to learn that on my journey. Does that mean that I might be able to learn how to duplicate myself like Faith does? I'm not sure about the specific powers. I'm not an expert on all types of paladins, but it may be possible. Maybe when we find Faith, you can ask her more about that. Okay, cause like, you know, you, are paladin and and Erky is a cleric like faith but you guys do very very different things like what exactly makes a paladin and a cleric different from what i understand clerics are more tied directly to their gods and spreading their influence whereas a paladin's power comes more so from their commitment known as an oath doesn't necessarily have to be to a god typically is but there are variations and through this strong bond between you and a concept whether it's a god or simply a moral justice you are able to manifest abilities and grow yourself should this bond ever be damaged then well and then he his face looks a little somber there is a risk that one can lose that connection in a myriad of ways. I suppose that makes a lot of sense. Thank you, Mortis. Uh, yeah, we don't, we don't have a lot of paladins wandering around at Cat Castle, so I don't really have many people back home to discuss this with, but meeting you and working with you, I think that what you do is really, really cool, and I think that that might be a really great way for me to eventually serve the Cat Lady. I'm honored that even in my old age, I can inspire a young warrior to follow their dreams and grow. Is there like more of an oath where, you know, you're serving a god or a goddess, or but you also really want to protect your sister? Well, that, that's fairly specific, but there are paladin oaths related to protection, either of someone close like family or even a community. So you could be a paladin with your oath being related to perhaps protecting Tom's rest or sort of a guardian of the cat castle, perhaps. I like that title. I'm not gonna do it just for the title, but I do like that title. 
Meanwhile, these two are having a really grand conversation. Methuselah and Thorn are playing I Spy the whole time. And then just because there's nothing really to look at, I imagine it's literally I Spy with my life. Something that's gray. Is it a rock? Yes. And then the same thing over and over and over again. The conversations slowly dwindle. The walk is far. And with the end of it comes the pressure of what yet to come. Finally, you guys see very close to you, shed by the light of your lantern, the stairs that leads up. You see yourselves in another hallway, where at the very end, two doors, far away from each other. The closest to you seems to be locked. The other, at the very end of the hall, doesn't seem to be locked. Could I put my ear up to the locked door and see if I can hear anything? Do a perception check for me. Could I go to the unlocked door and do the same thing? Sure. Not with a mage ear, with a real ear. Abnormal ears! I got six. You're a little bit too distracted. 18. Seeker, on the other hand, it's not that hard to hear conversations very muffled to the point that you can't understand what they're saying but you do hear a few voices you do also do not know the amount of voices there are so this is gonna look up at the group and say well there doesn't seem to be anything behind here uh well i heard some muffled voices i can't really tell very much i don't know what language or languages were being spoken i don't know how many people there are and it was kind of distant very muffled, but there's definitely somebody on the other side of that unlocked door. Given that we've gone deeper into the citadel, it could be some of the goblins. Perhaps. Should we, uh, should we try this locked door for now, and, and then if this isn't the path forward, we can go the other way? I would agree with that. Better to try to avoid a fight if we can. I could give it a try. I could try to unlock it. Uh, 15. This door is really well fastened, to the point that, as you put a lot of pressure, you're kind of scared that it might break some of your lockpicks. I'll say Methuselah is going to notice Seeker struggling. You're doing well, Seeker! And then is going to lean into Mortis. I think we might need to find another way. Are you suggesting that we try to force it open? I think that might be best. Whatever the people that Seeker heard in the other room. Could we do it quietly? He doesn't say anything, he just gives you a look. He doesn't have eyebrows, but if he did, you could see like his, his just they're just raising. What if we all cough at the same time that you hit the door and it'll sound like a cough? I don't want to be rude, but I also really don't think that would work. Now that I'm thinking about it, it does sound like a silly idea. If Seeker can't open this door, perhaps we might have to go through the other one. Well, we could try to see how many people are on the other door. If there are just a few of them, we could try to take care of them and then open this door by any means. Well, I suppose if that's our only option forward, we could do so. Might be best to have Seeker look through the door. They are our most stealthy party member. At this point, Mortis walks over to Seeker and gently taps them on the shoulder to get their attention. Oh, how Mortis. We were thinking, uh, perhaps if we're unable to get through this door, it might be best to scout in the other room and see just how many potential enemies we're dealing with, just for the sake of having our options open, you know? I suppose that makes sense. I'm really sorry I can't get this door open. <laughs> well, we've all had bits of damage to our pride. You're forgetting the fact that I ran into a door knocked myself out. Seeker's gonna go back over to the other door, and they're going to pull one of their daggers out of their boot and just shove it between their teeth again. And then they're gonna they're gonna do the sneaky sneak in checking out the other room. 
Do a stealth check for me. As you do this, I'm going to say Methuselah's holding York on the ready with the hurdy-gurdy. Mortis has a hand on Valkar's great sword. Thorn is picking his nose. <laughs> is Urk doing anything? Urk is just quietly waiting. It's going to be a 23. You open the door slowly, and only by the expertise that you so well excel on, you're able to open in a way that is dead silent. Perceiving through it, you see that the next room would be empty if not for what seems to be a very big opening on the wall immediately on your field of vision. This opening seems to be intentionally made. This room that you see is very well lit, full of trees, shrubbery, and vegetation. The biggest room you have seen yet, just from this small glimpse. And yet, it is a literal forest, illuminated by torches and the lights of the mushrooms that you guys previously saw. It is a certainty. You're looking at the grove of the druid. Previously, the Dark Wardens grove. Can Seeker quietly approach and see if they can at least determine something about the voices? With the previous check that you have, you can easily go inside. Keeping it low, you're although uncomfortable to do so, you do walk on your fours very slowly, a good 10 feet in, trying to stay closer to the wall than not. You hear the voices, which much easier time. There seems to be a total of six of them, speaking rough pattern of language that you have heard before. This is clearly goblinoid. And just as you glimpse past the debris nearest to this large opening, you can see four goblins accompanied by two better equipped warrior goblins. I'm gonna go back to the party. Slowly, Seeker approaches back, closes the door, and then is able to speak with you guys. Oh, what did you see, Seeker? Uh, goblins? Uh, six of them. There's two that are quite well dressed, quite well equipped, I would say. That is definitely the grove that we have been looking for. How do you know? It was literally a forest in there. Since that is the grove, I, I suppose that we're going to have to face them anyway. I think it'd be better to... I don't know if we could scare them away or do something. Well, the way I see it, we could either try to force open the locked door and potentially risk them coming in for us here, or we go in there as a group and try to see if we can catch them off balance. I would suggest maybe maybe we try to deceive them in some way, get them to run off, but I'm not sure how we would accomplish that. I have to say too, the goblins down here, compared to the ones in their village, they're more determined too. We have seen the ones that we fought here, aside from the fact that they would fight pretty much to the end until there is no way of victory, then they would run away. These guys are different, they're not like the ones above, where the first sign of trouble they would run. And I'm just saying, I did only see six, but I don't know if there's more. I don't know if there's like 50 goblins down here. I don't know. I kind of want to be careful. Well, the grove is quite big, so I can't imagine that if we were to strike first, that all the goblins in the grove would be able to hear it. Morris turns to Thorn. 
What do you think we should do, my friend? These are still your people, after all. Thorn will not really respond directly to Mortis's question, and he wants to go over to the padlock, and he wants to cast Primal Savagery, and he wants to grab the hooks of the lock, grip it, and try to melt it with the acid. Interesting. Sure. Go ahead. Ten acid damage. With the magical acid, it's screeding from your newfound claws. It takes the better part of two to three minutes until the magical effect retracts. But the lock, although damaged, is still very much sturdy. So Seeker's gonna go up to Thorn. Hi Thorn, do you want to see if we can do this together? Can you also excrete acid? No, but I can teach you how to use a lockpick. Thorn will go over to Mortis and gently take the lantern from him. And my way of thinking is because Thorn is shorter and is more on level with where the padlock would actually be, he can hold the lantern closer to where the lock is so that Seeker can get more help with picking the lock. With the help of Thorn and the fact that Thorn did compromise the quality of the lock, I will allow you to do a check again, though I have to say, if you don't succeed on this one, you might not be able to do it again. Nine. You try your best. As you're focusing, you're getting really close. You feel like the click is about to happen when it does. But the click is from your lockpick that gets stuck a good chunk of it inside of the lock. There's no other way to open this lock by picking it. Well, that, that was a good attempt. Should we just try forcing it open, or should we see about maybe confronting the goblins first? I say that since we're probably going to make noise by opening this door, that will likely alert the goblins that are standing close. We should probably go to them first, so we're not surprised or put in any sort of danger. If we strike first, it'll be better, and we might be able to better face them. All right, I think... I think we can totally um, sneak up on these goblins and get them. I'm hoping that there ain't gonna be more than six, but be ready for anything. Have your weapons ready and we'll go in there and we'll fight them. Mortis pulls out his greatsword and holds it over his shoulder. I am behind you, my friends. Seeker is going to slip their dagger back into their boot and they're going to go for their short bow and they're going to pull an arrow out as well. I'm just holding tight to Yorick as usual, like ready. Thorn will quietly go over to the door that is unlocked and he'll look towards everyone and goes, Please can definitely take out some of the druids' goblinses. Makes it easier for us. We can do it quietly so they are unexpected. I will watch your backs from here. If things get too dangerous, I'll come and assist you. I'm not as stealthy, you know. Well, I suppose that's a plan. Let's go in there as quietly as we can. Erky decides to stay behind. He looks at Mortis and goes, I'll be here with you. If you guys need help, we'll both charge in. We'll hit them with our holy power. And they clasp a hand on Erky's shoulder. He nods positively. Go ahead and do a stealth check. 25. I got a natural 20 plus 5. That's 25. Methuselah gets his bardic inspiration back because I got a one plus four, so I got a five. With the help of your peers, Thorn is not noticed by the goblins. I imagine that Thorn trips as he's walking and Methuselah's mage hand shoots forward and catches him before he falls and makes a sound. And together, you all position yourselves to the best of your abilities to prepare for your surprise attack. 
there, friends. You've reached the end of this episode of The Sunless Citadel. Thank you so much for listening. Subscribe to us on whatever app you use to listen to podcasts, and be sure to catch the next installment of The Sunless Citadel every Thursday at 12 p.m. EST. If you like the show, please consider leaving a review. It's a small way to show your support that goes a long way. To connect with us, follow our social media accounts, and if you'd like to support us, well, you can head on over to our Patreon to join the conversation, for you sneak peeks of our next project, and discover our fantastic bonus content. Our intro score was created by Patrick Gordon from Off the Beaten Path Musical. The Sunless Citadel can be found in Tales from the Yawning Portal by Wizards of the Coast. The World of Nosomundus was created by Pedro Stockler. Thanks again for listening from all of us at the Storyteller's Tavern.